Welcome to Dominion Today with Kevin and Chantel Davis, a podcast where you will learn how to discover your calling, live your purpose, and fulfill your destiny. By listening to these episodes, you'll build the confidence you need to operate in dominion and authority so you can walk in the revelation of the victory that belongs to you in Christ Jesus. Now, here's your host, Kevin Davis. And so what I want to share with you this morning from the word of the Lord, from the book of Job. Just quickly go with me to the book of Job. And some of you already like the book of Job. I've heard so many sermons in my life about Job. And then there are people who would say, you know what, I consider myself a modern day Job. If there's one character in the Bible I can relate to today, it's Job. Well, I'm going to share a message with you from the book of Job. But it's going to be the message of dominion. A message of faith. A message of hope. Not hopelessness of calamity. In Job verse, chapter 1 verse 1 it says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright and one who reverently feared God and abstained from and shunned evil because it was wrong. I mean, the fact that the Amplified Classic has to go so far as to say because it was wrong. It's like, duh. But you see, this is something which really, and again, maybe it is for this modern day and age that we are living in. Where we have to hear. That on the one hand, there is one who is blameless and upright, who keeps the commandments of God. But then on the other hand, there are those who are evil and who do all kinds of deeds pertaining to wickedness. That that is not good. That that is not right. That these things are wrong. That is how simple it is. And they were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed, now listen to this, 7,000 sheep. 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very great body of servants. So that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. At that time, in essence, when it comes down to the known world, he was the richest man in the world. The richest man there was. Not only was he rich from the perspective of what he had, But he was rich, even from the perspective of his family. A happily married man. A man who has sons and daughters. And a man who has land, many possessions, and many things to work that land with. To continually see a harvest and increase of all that he has. And when the days of their feasting, these are speaking of his sons, were over, Job sent to them to purify and hallowed them, and rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings, according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed, or disowned God in their hearts. Thus did Job at all such times. Now there was a day when the sons, the angels of God, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan, the adversary, the accuser. You see, that is still his function. He is still the adversary and he's still the accuser. He is the accuser of the brethren. So whenever you hear all kinds of wild accusations being flung around in church or even in ministry, when you hear people make all kinds of silly, ridiculous, 
wild claims about Pastor Kevin. Understand that if you even become a part of those kind of discussions, murmurings, accusations, you are actually fulfilling the work of the devil. Because it is the devil who is the accuser of the brethren. And so when these, the sons, the angels of God, came to present themselves, it was Satan also among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where did you come? And then Satan answered the Lord, from going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. So in other words, he's just a wanderer. He's a vagabond. He has no place to call home. He's got nothing. There's no purpose. There's no vision. He's just walking around aimlessly on the earth. Up and down. Up and down. And then the Lord said to Satan, from where did you come? And he said, well, walking across the earth. Walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth. A blameless and upright man. One who reverently fears God. And abstains from and shuns evil because it is wrong. Now, let's just consider this for a moment. There is a thought among many in the church today. I'm not talking about Dominion Church, but just the church in general. Who believe that if you are a man who is prosperous, that somehow God has no regard for you. Here we just read that Job is considered the richest man of the East, if not the world. At that particular point in time. And when God speaks of Job, he does not say to Satan, Hey, have you seen your boy is doing well there? The boy who sold his soul to you and who is blessed by you, the devil. No, 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 no. Although he is prosperous, although he is someone who has so much, the richest man on the world at the time, or in the world at the time, God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Have you seen him? In other words, and, I, and I'm using the words of the world in this context with reverence and with respect. But it's as though God is wanting to boast about his servant to Satan. Because he's saying, you know what, have you, have you seen him? It's the same way in like a father. The moment you encounter someone, you know what, you, you will take out the picture on your phone. Did you see what my son did this weekend to the opposing team? Did you see what my son, did, did you see how he scored that hundred in cricket? Have you seen that post I put up on Facebook of my son, you know, playing this rugby game and, and how he scored that winning try? It reminds me of that kind of language and conduct. Because God is saying to the devil, have you considered my servant Job? And despite him being the richest man on the world, he was still blameless and upright. A man who shunned evil, which totally dispels the second notion that somehow when a Christian gets into money, that when a Christian becomes prosperous, all of a sudden he's no longer going to serve God. All of a sudden he's going to compromise. All of a sudden, you know what? He's going to just fall to the wayside. He's going to fall into the trap of the world. No, 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 no. You see, money is an amplifier. It amplifies what's on the inside of you. And so if materialism is something that has gripped your heart, if you still struggle with pride and ego, 
and trying to prove a point or prove someone wrong. When money comes, it's going to amplify the conditions of your heart. It's going to amplify certain personality and character traits. And you're going to be exposed. But if you have already worked on those things, if you have developed the capacity by being faithful in the little, therefore being faithful in the much, when the much comes, you are still faithful with the tithe. But all of a sudden, the tithe goes from 5,000 rands a month to 500,000 rands a month, and it's not an issue. All of a sudden, offerings go from just a meager 500 rands and it goes to 5 million rands and you don't even feel it. And you do not have the attitude of, why would the church want that amount of money? I mean, on social media, I saw a post today of some entertainer in the United States, well, who went to the United States, who chartered a plane, a massive plane, it cost $62 million, all because he wanted to have breakfast in America. And then I look at the comments, and you know what? There is not one comment of hate. People are saying, well, it's his money. He worked for it. If it's his money, he can do whatever he wants. But if I just fly, then I have people say, why did you not take the bus? I mean, if you fly first class or business class, why would you, how do you justify being there when there are so many needy, poor people in the world? But it's interesting how when, if you want to get scrutinized by the world and the church at large, you just have your own plane. Irrespective of the fact that it might actually, when you consider the tax breaks and all the other things from a financial point of view, that it might be better. There will be those who will say, well, why would you need that? But meanwhile, those who own casinos on the strip in Las Vegas have not only just one plane, they've got a whole fleet of them. And there's no issue. The moment a church sets out to put in very expensive, or let's not say expensive, let's say fine cameras, then all of a sudden, well, well, you know, in our church, you know, we settle for these small things. Well, settle for that. And that is the promise. You see, all I'm doing this morning is I am challenging mindsets yet again. Because there are certain things that we have vowed we will never be partakers of. There are certain things that our family vowed we will never do, we will never have, and we will never partake of. And that is why we wonder why it is that we still find ourselves so many generations later that have come into wealth. Why are my children still not going to university? Why are they still not coming home with a degree? Why are they still not starting a business? Why are they still not successful in that business? Why are they still not buying the homes instead of renting? Why are they not this? Why are they not that? Because it has to do with the conditioning of a mindset. Where we come to this understanding that if you want to purchase a vehicle, you have to go to your bank statement to consult first and foremost how much you can afford. Then you have to apply for financing. But whoever said it has to be that way? 
You see, some of you are like, because that's the way. No, whoever said that's the way. Why can we not get to that place where we step into the blessing that was promised to Abraham? That was seen in his son's life, Isaac, where one man became mightier than an entire nation. So much so that the king himself had to come to him hat in his hand and say depart from us as a foreigner because you one man are more wealthy more prosperous more powerful than all of us together combined as a nation because abraham had a mindset he had an understanding that you will lend to many nations but you will not borrow now is borrowing a sin? No, it's not a sin, but it's a weight. Because that is why many people say, I'm not able to give. Because before you even get to the place of giving first unto the Lord, that which is the Lord, the tithe. The debt collectors have already taken what is due them the moment that which comes to you lands in your bank account. But you see, God doesn't operate in that way. Governments of the world operate by means of taking tax from you even before it's given to you. And we've come accustomed to the fact of governments taking 30%, 40%, 45%, even more. I'm not saying do not pay tax. I mean, I'm the first person. I pay my TV license. It's the right thing to do. So pay yours. But what I'm saying is we've become conditioned. And we have accepted the fact that governments can tax you when you are born. They tax you while you grow up. They tax you as you start to work. They tax you even when you retire and eventually when you die. And none of us ever think that there might be something wrong with that picture. Hey, there's a constant murmuring and there's a this and a that and a whatever else. But we get accustomed to seeing what we're seeing on our SMS when the salary comes in. What would it truly be like if you got your full gross salary and you had to go as an individual to pay your UIF, to pay your pay as you earn and every other deduction that there might be in your pay? You're going to feel it. But you see, governments do what God does not even do. Because God gives unto you that which comes from his hand. And then puts you to the test. Or whether or not you will be faithful in honoring the covenant that you have entered into with him. God is not just going to take the moment it comes in or even before it comes into your hands. God is not just going to take 10% off the top. He gives you the opportunity to do the right thing. To make the decision to consciously choose Him. To make the decision to say, I will seek you and your kingdom first. I make the deliberate and conscious decision to seek you first in all I do. And this is what it comes down to.
And it is that attitude and it is that revelation and it is that kind of conduct that secures the breakout. Because the moment we get into all kinds of, well, yeah, well, that's, that's actually Old Testament, Pastor Kevin. Okay, well, should I read to you more Old Testament scriptures? Genesis 13, Abraham became very rich. Another translation says extremely rich. But no, no, well, Pastor Kevin, you see, that doesn't apply to us. Do we not have a better covenant based on better promises? If you still want to have this discussion, then rather just go home. Rather just declare yourself to be at the best agnostic or atheist. Because if we still want to deal with stuff and say, well, I don't really believe that because that's all that's new. It's going to be this kind of life that you're going to see up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. And that's what you're going to see. And so coming back to scripture, God is saying that there's no one like him. And then Satan answered the Lord, well, does Job reverently fear God for nothing? Have you not put a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have conferred prosperity and happiness upon him in the work of his hands. And his possessions have increased in the land. Can you see the prosperity comes from the hand of God by man placing his hand on something. So prosperity is not a sin. Prosperity is not something that comes from the devil or should be synonymous in coming from the hand of the devil. It comes from the hand of God by you, man, applying your hand to something. Prosperity is not just going to come from God if you do not touch something. If you, as a man, you do not have seed in your hand that you're also willing to put into fertile soil. That's what it comes down to. So it's not just the responsibility is not just on God's end. It's not just about God putting all the pressure and responsibility on him. Well, God, if you're going to bless me, you need to bless me. No, no. You also need to put in the work. If you do not like how things are in your life right now, you need to change it. You need to challenge it. You need to confront it. You need to take one big hard look at your life and identify what needs to be changed. And by the grace of God, change it. And then, but put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. And he will curse you. And he will curse you to your face, the devil is saying. And the Lord said to Satan, the adversary and the accuser, Behold, all that he has is now in your power, only upon the man himself. Put not forth your hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day when Job's sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house on his birthday. And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans swooped down upon them and took away the animals. Indeed, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God, or lightning, has fallen from the heavens and has burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, then came also another and said, Now, at this point in time, you like want to say, can I just breathe for a second? It's one person coming after the other with not bad news, devastating news. 
one thing after the other. And then while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans divided into three bands and made a raid upon the camels and have taken them away. Yes, and have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great whirlwind from the desert and smote the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young people. And they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then, this is the key, verse 20. Then Job arose and rent his robe and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. There's the key. You see, had you not have known the story, if you did not have the perspective and the blessing of hindsight, you would read this and read of him falling to his knees to the ground and cried, wept, sobbed, or maybe even cursed God to his face. But it doesn't say that. And you see from this, I get this picture of that even if the devil were to succeed, which I do not believe, is necessarily possible for those who are in covenant with God. But even if the devil were to pull the rug from underneath your feet, pull the carpet right underneath you, and you were to stumble and fall to your knees, to the ground, to the floor, in essence, you already find yourself in the best position for worship. On your knees, by demonstrating you cannot go lower, than where you are right now. And that is the moment where even prophetically speaking, you understand that the lowest you have gone now is the lowest you can go and the lowest you therefore will go. That it is only upwards from here. We all know the rest of the story, but I want to just read it to you nonetheless. Maybe for those who haven't heard it in a long time or those maybe who haven't heard it. Job. 42. This is after everything that had happened to Job. And he never turned his back on God. He never cursed God. And the Bible says, And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. So in other words, I want you to grab a hold of this revelation today. Even if you might be at an age right now where you say, You know what? I'm already 50. What truly is ahead for me? You might be 60 and you say, what hope is there for me? You might be 70, 75, 80, 85. And you might say, what hope is there for me? Pertaining to where I'm going and the little time you might think you still have left. But the Bible says, and Job was blessed. That the latter days of Job's life far exceeded. His earlier life. And so there are some of you here this morning and some who are watching who need to grab a hold of this today. Is that there is always hope. That while there is breath in your lungs, it's not over. There needs to rise a tenacity and a boldness on the inside of you. That it is not over. It is not 
over. It is not final. You have maybe, you've just come from a place of absolute devastation or defeat. It is not over. This is but the beginning of the latter parts of your life. Which where we can take such courage and hope from the story of Job. That the latter time of his life was far greater than that of his former. You see, when God gets ready to bless you, age has got nothing to do with it. Your vocation has got nothing to do with it. Your salary, your means has got nothing to do with it. When God gets ready to bless you, He will ensure that blessing locates you irrespective of where you are from irrespective of the color of your skin the language you speak having gone to university having a certificate or a phd it makes no difference for when god gets ready to bless you there is nothing and no one that will prevent the outpouring of his blessing upon your life if you receive the blessing of god today come on lift up a shout You see, there are some who would say, well, I should have had what I'm about to have many years ago. But here's the thing. Three years ago, if that had happened, you would have not been mature enough to handle that which is about to come your way. You would have not been strong enough to be able to deal with the weight of blessing that's about to rest upon you. And you see, it's in this time of preparation and going through the hard knocks of life where the devil comes the accuser comes and people's tongues are wagging all around you and we are where you are seeing the situation of that which you face and everyone else around you face that it builds character it builds an endurance and a tenacity and there might be times when you say why is this necessary why the pressure why the pain but then only when the blessing comes in the measure and the fullness in the way it comes. It is only then that you realize that I was in a time of preparation. A time of preparation. You see, what good is it just to illustrate this further? If I were to tell you, listen, I'm going to give you a hundred kilograms of gold for you to keep. All you have to do is just take it home. Now you're going to hear that and someone who is wise will heed to that word and heed to those words. But there's going to come a time. You might not know exactly when, but you have the promise of a hundred kilograms of gold. But you know what? Right now you might not have the capacity to pick up, let alone drag a hundred kilograms of gold. So even then when the gold comes, you do not have the capacity to deal with it. You do not have the capacity to partake of it because you cannot send it where it needs to go. And so what people end up doing is they just have to leave it because it's no use. But then there are those who say, you know what, I'm going to train. I'm going to work out. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to push myself. And you know what, you're going to sweat. You might even cry a bit. 
And you know what? You might even bleed a bit. That there is a time of preparation where you've been crying out to God. And you know what it is that you've been crying out to God for. It might not just necessarily be in the area of finances. It might have been pertaining to your spouse. It might have been pertaining to your sons. It might have been pertaining to your sons or daughters. It might have been pertaining to the area of your health. It might have been to you believing the Lord for a child of your own. It might have been for you to be able to secure that job. To secure that promotion. To secure that home. To start that business irrespective of what it is time is for preparation and season for manifestation so make sure you are preparing yourself so that when the weight of the blessing of God comes you are adequately prepared positioned to take what is rightfully yours, to send it where it needs to go and to use it and apply it for the advancing of the kingdom and for his glory can you shout unto God and give him praise? Hallelujah. You see, you need to be able to master the breaking point. What does that mean? The breaking point. Well, if those words are not yet enough, to paint a vivid enough picture for you. That is the point of you breaking. The point of you snapping. That's not you just bending. That's you bending to the extent where if you were to bend one more millimeter. It snaps. It breaks. And so there are many people who are right now, and I see this in the realm of the spirit, who are at the breaking point. At the point of king. Where there seems to be no hope and this is the final hour. This is the final watch. And then once more I'm reminded of that which Paul and Silas did. After they had received many blows... And it's not like they were whipped at the same time. They were whipped first the one and then the other. That's how it took place. So now think about this. If this maybe happened in 2023, the person that you're calling bro, even on a missions trip, even in the ministry, when he sees you taking the first blows for Christ, the moment it's his turn, he's like, wait, 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 wait. let's talk about this. Let me give you some info. It was him. Him alone. But you know what? I'm going to give you, I'm going to tell you where all the others are as well. I'll be your informant. That's AKA snitch. And there are many of them. There are many in the kingdom of God who masquerade around as cute little Mary had a little lamb kind of sheep. But they are wolves. They are snakes. They are deceivers. The Bible says that they did not cop out or sell out. Because also something that we need to realize is that when we are at the point of breaking, when you are at your breaking point, while there will be some who will then go through what needs to be gone through, that builds your character, it refines you, it shapes you, it establishes you. There are those who sell out just before the breakout.
What does that mean? That is where they turn their back on God. They turn their back on the vision. They turn their back on relationships. They turn their back on whatever it is that they've been a part of. Because you know what? It's easy for you to be a part of something when everything is great. You look at all the market crashes all around the world. It's, isn't it interesting that more than 80% of people who buy into something, into a commodity, into a share, into something, is when it's already at the point of peaking. And then when the market begins to settle down and it adjusts, it normalizes, it stabilizes. It's going to shake off those who never actually were in it for the long run. It's going to cause those who were sort of one foot in, one foot out, the pretenders, to be removed from the game. Because those who have been at it for a long time, you know what? They've gone through ups and downs in the market before. They know that there's going to come a time of adjustment. But it's just a matter of time before things begin to prepare itself for yet another breakout. And so even what is happening right now, as we are at a very critical stage pertaining to the vision, not only of Dominion Church and of Dominion at large, but the body of Christ is really at a critical point right now. Because there are things that's about to happen in governments all around the world. The wars that you see right now, things are only going to escalate. The rumors of wars you hear right now, you will actually see those as actual wars, not just rumors of wars. You're going to see a massive, massive, massive rising up in the east and it's going to cause a lot of challenges and a lot of devastation. And as a result, you are going to see markets begin to move accordingly. But in all of these things, do not be alarmed, do not be moved, do not be shaken. For what these things will do is it will actually separate the pretenders from those who are authentic. The fake and the genuine will be separated. Because when you consider the wheat and the tares, they grow up at the same time. You let at the same time you don't take out the tears the bible even speaks of this and says well you just let them all grow up at the same time but then there comes at the end the divide the separating wheat and the tears and that is a season in the spirit we're about to enter into where all of these snake oil salesmen and many of them are snake oil salesmen physically selling all these hocus pocus airy fairy kind of snake oil even this week, I had to call out a couple of them on Facebook. It's like this area is rampant. Selling all kinds of different oils. This one attracts a lover. This one attracts money. This one attracts whatever. And people have to pay 300, 400, 500, sometimes 1,000 plus rand for a little vial of oil. That's even if they get it delivered to them. By these absolute snake oil salesmen. In the body of Christ. And that is appalling, disgusting to see. But coming back to this moment in time, it's a pivotal moment in time. You cannot be among those who are a sellout just before the breakout. 
because there are many pretenders who are quick to make the withdrawal when they no longer see the benefit. And then when the, everything begins to skyrocket, they are the ones who say, why did I exit so soon? Why did I exit so early? And so let not that be you. Paul and Silas, after they were beaten, were put away in the darkest dungeon. Darkest part, the deepest part of the dungeon. And just before midnight, we all know this so well. They did not cry. They did not wail. They didn't travail. They did not engage in any kind of pity party. Why me? Why should this be? They praised God. So much so that there came a sound, rattling sound that filled that place. A shaking of the foundations of the entire prison. Where not only their lock and stocks and chains and whatever it is that's been holding them down fell off of them. But every single person in the jail with them, every person in their vicinity were freed from potential calamity. And God secured that night their breakout because when it was close to midnight, when it was close to the point of it being the end, they did not cry, they did not moan, they did not complain or murmur or begin to justify, pity me, look at me. But they praised and they worshipped in the very same way as Job illustrated as well. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. If you'd like to help Kevin and Chantel reach and impact this generation, thank you in advance for sharing this episode with your world. If you have enjoyed Dominion today, follow Kevin and Chantel on Instagram, Facebook, and your favorite podcast platform, or connect with them online at dominion.org.za.